Well, what's up, Ascent? Thank you for joining us today once again. I hope you are enjoying your online experience. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name's Maurice. I'm one of the teaching pastors here on staff. And if I have met you before, yes, it is me. I know I got a new kind of quarantine look going on right now, but it is your boy Maurice. I had to actually go pill up an artifact right here. You, for, if you're from Boulder County, you probably don't know what this is, but this is a hair pick, right? To keep me together, you know what I mean? So uh, this is a new look these days uh, because I decided I didn't want to do one of the quarantine cuts like this guy right here. Uh, it's probably popping up on your screen. Uh, so I got a new look going on. I know it. I know it's happening. I got like a Denzel from Deja Vu happening, but uh, it's a new look. I'm taking it in and that's all that's happening. But I'm excited to be with you guys once again because I know that there's some new things taking place in your life as well, right? There's a new norm happening. And with some new norms, I just want to kind of bring a little lightheartedness to all of us, okay? I know there's some things that's taking place, but on a lighter note, I think there's some moments of uh, glimpses of hope that we can kind of just smile about, okay? So this, uh, uh, there's been a few Fridays that me and my wife have actually done a dance party, and uh, maybe you've tuned into that. If you haven't, you got to make sure you do. And so way before there was a TikTok, me and my wife, Aisha, were dancing in the mirror, having an amazing time together. And so I just want to kind of bring a few smiles to your family. So check out this video of me and Aisha getting our groove on. All right, come on, you gotta get, be, keep it real. We got a few moves on us, we're not experts, uh, but we kind of make the party fun and we love dressing up and having a good time. So I hope that's kind of bringing a little uh, fun spirit to you and your family and your homes with all that's taking place right now. Like I said, we do a dance party. And if you were here last week, you probably seen some dance moves uh, that me and Aisha don't approve of. Um, and I want you to take a look at that, uh, this video right here. This is not what we do. And so check this out. Know that every other Friday, Mo and hey. Aisha do a dance party for us. I mean, they're hey. teaching us how to dance. Teach me how to throw it. Hey. They be like, smooth. What? Can you teach me how to do this? You can learn how to do this. You know why? Because all the girls love me. Hey. Looks like I gotta go to the bathroom. All I need is a beat that's super bumping. And for you, you, you to back it up and dump it. Get it. And just move your hips from down below. All right. We, me and Aisha, do not take credit for what you just saw. You've seen us, and then you've seen Bill, two different things, okay? We got a long way to go with him. Uh, but once again, like I said, uh, on a lighter note of things, I hope that you're having a great time and uh, just bringing a little small joy to your homes with all that's taking place in our world. Um, and I think that's so awesome that we can do that, right? That we can find something within us. We can muster up something to look to something else, to have a little bit of glimpse of hope. But beyond just that, I gotta get into what I'm talking about today, because I don't have a lot of time. But one of the things I wanted to do, instead of just bringing a little lighthearted good news, I think there's some good things that can take place that we can glean from. Not just because of a dance party, 
not just because of some good news by that guy that off the office that he's doing. I'm sorry, I don't know his name, but I've been watching his shows as well. Not only can those things bring us some glimpses of hope, but I believe that we can find some glimpses of hope in what God is saying and what God's good news. He has some words to say. And today we're actually going to look at what does Jesus say, not only just uh, uh, in general, but what does God have to say in our greatest moments of suffering? I think it's really key for us to look at in Jesus's greatest of moments of suffering. What did he do? What did he say when he suffered? This is moments that we can look to and why I'm excited to kind of be a part of the Christian belief because we have someone who has suffered with us, not just with us, but has come down and walked a life that wasn't full of roses and daisies, that wasn't just full of bliss. He went through some heartache. And I want to look to today to find out what did he do? Because if I find out what Jesus did in his moments of suffering, maybe, just maybe, I can pull on a few of those principles and apply them to my own life. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. If I were able to kind of title this, there's been some things that have been going on in our world that uh, is a new norm. And with new norm comes new language, right? And so some of the language that's been thrown around, that's been some of the key things that we've heard on a day in and day, day, day out basis has been essential business. What are the essential businesses? What, is the, what are the businesses that are a necessity? What are the places that are just a want? What are those places that we can go to and that we cannot go to for? Why, why is that in place? Because we want everybody to benefit and everybody to flourish. And I think if we put on the kingdom lens, if we put on the lens of Jesus in his kingdom, the same thing applies. What are some essentials? that we can hold on to? What are some essential things that we can embrace, especially in moments of suffering, in moments of tough times and troubled times? What can we do in those moments? So I think there's some essential things that he points to, not only alludes to and points to, but makes it very, very clear. There's a lot of those things. One thing that I want to point to, if I was able to title it, would be our posture. The importance of our posture. Jesus has something to say and speak to as it relates to the posture of our hearts. The posture of our hearts is so key and so important. I believe that God cares so much about the posture of our heart that we see in Jesus's life, him ask the very question that many of us are asking. And I want to ask that to you today. What is the posture of your heart? What's the posture of your heart in this in this season? Because I just don't want to look to Jesus life. I just don't want to just look to what he did and the things that's taking place in his own life. I want us to take inventory. I think it's so important for us to reflect. So what is that? Is your heart tired? Is your heart aching in this moment? Maybe your heart is uh, unmotivated. Maybe your heart is full of grief. Maybe that's not you at all. Maybe your heart is full of excitement. Maybe your heart is joyful and happy. Maybe your heart is, I don't know what my heart feels like because I'm so tired of all this taking place with this darn virus. I don't know. I haven't taken a look. I haven't done any reflection or inventory. And that's okay too. 
So let's look at our, let's look in a focus on what Jesus does in this moment. For the next few moments, I want to examine that together. I believe when we choose the right approach, it affects our posture. When we choose the right approach, it affects our heart's posture. And when we can change our heart's posture, we can shift our posture for the better and align ourselves the best way that we can and live like Jesus, our lives are radically changed. So what does that look like? Marie, stop using church language. Stop kind of queuing this all up. What does that look like? Let's get to it. What does that actually mean? I kind of want to read this scripture. Kind of want to read. I'm going to read this scripture. Get it together, Maurice. Uh, Matthew chapter 26. This is Jesus if you've been a part of the Christian belief or heard Christian stories before, this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is right before uh, the moment where he's crucified and he takes a moment to break away. He's still not uh, been locked up yet. He's kind of having a little moment to himself. And Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I would kind of argue that this is probably the greatest moment of his suffering. And I know theologians before you say anything, you're kind of upset right now that I said the, that statement. But I think this is a tough place to be. And Jesus, and you will see that because it's one thing to be on the cross and understand that this whipping is going to hurt me and my hands being stabbed is going to hurt. It's another thing being free. You're not, you know, in chains. You're not locked up. You're not on a cross. You're just in a garden with your friends. And the Bible says that he's crying to the point that Blood is coming down from his head. Let's take a look at this. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane and said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Listen to what Jesus' words are. He's point to the point of death. His soul is crushed. His heart's posture is destroyed in this moment. He says, stay here and keep watch with me. Verse 39. This is where I really want to press into. He says, uh, he went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering pass from me, be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. I want your will to be done and not mine. The importance of our heart's posture. Before we break down a little bit of that scripture, I want to share something with you. Some of us we have that kind of list of things that we want to do out of quarantine, right? That quarantine list when, when it's all over, what am I going to do? When it's all over, what places am I going to go to? You're probably thinking, you know, hiking or snowboarding. It's probably not even going to be any snow on the ground. You're still going out and skiing just because you got to make up for lost time. Maybe it's the club. I don't know what your, 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 your list is. One of the things on my list is I love the chiropractor. That's right. I love going to the chiropractor. And some of you guys are already catching on. As I'm talking about posture, it relates to some stories of my days as, as it relates to going to the chiropractor. I love it, but to be fair, I wait so long before I go to my next visit. 
it'll be months, probably even a year before I go to the next visit and I get realigned, right? That's some of the language that they use. If you want an alignment, come back. And I would go to the same place back in California over and over again, and they wouldn't see me for months and maybe even a year. And every time I came back, they would do it. And like I said, I love it. I mean, some of you are probably cringing right now, but when they grab my neck and they snap it, uh, and I hear the bones crack, it's like, oh, that feels good. And so going to the chiropractor is something that I always do and I love to do and I'm going to do after I get out of quarantine. But one of the things that my uh, chiropractor once told me as I came back one of the times and I was in my normal rhythm of waiting so long, as he says, Maurice, if you continue to neglect your posture, it will have negative long-term effects. If you continue to neglect your posture, it's going to, it's going to have negative long-term effects. And some of you, you already know where I'm going with this. This is so important for us as we think about our heart's posture. If our heart's posture continues to go neglected, if the posture of our heart goes unchecked, we miss out on God's best and those around us miss out on the best of us. Oh, I'm going to say it one more time. You hear what I said? I got to say it again. I'm going to get happy. I, I said, when we miss out, when we neglect our heart, when we forsake and we neglect the posture of our heart, when we don't take inventory, when we don't do maintenance on, Lord, take this heart, do something within me. When we don't do those things, we don't live into the practices of the Christian faith, like praying and lamenting and all those things. When we do not do those things, our heart can go unchecked and we, our hearts go unchecked. We miss out on God's best and those around us missed out on the best of us. This is so important. This is so key for us to embrace during the moments of suffering, because when we don't check our heart, when we don't impact our heart's posture, we miss out. And those around us miss out also. And I believe not only do people miss out, but God cares about the posture of our heart. So what do we do to impact our posture? What do we do if our posture of our heart is so important? What do we do? What are some practical things to impact the posture of our hearts? Well, what does Jesus do? And Jesus' greatest moment of suffering, he chooses three things. And there's three things that I want to share with you today. Before I do, I think it's important to make note of because any time when I was younger, people would bring up what Jesus did. And I would say, uh, duh, that was Jesus, dummy, right? Like that's probably what you're probably thinking to yourself right now. Of course, that's him, not me. I'm not one that's uh, coming from heaven and that's not my life and I don't walk on water and all those things. And you're kind of kind of like pushing his story to the side. But we got to remember as I got older, as I got a little bit more knowledge around who Jesus was, don't forget he was fully human. Don't, I'm, don't rush past that. I'm going to say it again. Don't forget Jesus was fully human. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, we can see his full humanity. He didn't come down as Superman. He didn't come down as Thor or Marvel character. He came down as Jesus and suspended his divinity for a few moments and stepped into flesh and he lived fully into his humanity. And what does he do in the Garden of Gethsemane in his greatest humanity moments? He chooses three things. Number one, he chooses prayer. 
This is so key. This is so good. When Jesus is faced with the point of death, we read it, right? He's, his soul is crushed. His heart is destroyed to the point of almost being dead. Remember I told you, theologians will argue that blood started coming down his head as he's praying fiercely. All this is taking place and he chooses to pray. This is important for us to lean into. He chooses prayer to impact his posture. Prayer is so important because it impacts the posture of our heart. Prayer is many things, and I don't want to rush past that. I don't have all the time in the world to break down what prayer is. Prayer is many things. Prayer is the communing with God. Prayer is the moments that we can have of that secret moment time in dwelling with God when we can talk to our father, when we can go and talk to the one who created us. It's these sweet moments that we can live into. It's a moment of communion. It's a moment that we get to just cry out. It's a moment that we know that someone hears our cry. And Jesus chooses to pray because prayer has the power to impact our posture. Prayer has the power to impact our posture. What does that do with our heart's posture? Why does that matter so much? If I was Jim, I'd have a whiteboard for you and kind of draw it up and have this cool little thing. But in your mind's eye, kind of go there with me, think about it for a second. Prayer impacts our posture. It has the power to impact our posture of our heart. And the posture of our heart, what do we do with all of this? It impacts it, okay, but what do we do with that? What, what do, you know, my, my heart is suffering. My heart is destroyed. You know, my heart is grieving, just like Jesus. What does that matter? Well, the posture of our heart can inform our prayer. Prayer impacts our posture and posture informs our prayer. Why is this so important? Because we get to have moments of humanity ourselves. We get to have moments where we get to say, God, I hate that's what's going on. If you want to see some reality, if you want to get a dose of some true prayer, go read the Psalms. We get to be just like David in Psalm 44 when he says, God, wake up because you have neglected me. You have caused me to go through pain. You have caused me to find out bad things. You have realized, I'm starting to think that you don't care about my suffering and my oppression. Go read it. We get to be like Paul when he's crying out, when we get to see the true moments that he's calling on this. This is the Bible that we get to see true prayer and prayer is informing all, I mean, posture is informing all of those prayers. We get to be just like Jesus when he says, God, why have you forsaken me? Prayer has the power to impact our posture and our posture informs our prayer. What is the second thing that Jesus chooses? Jesus chooses not only prayer, but Jesus chooses to surrender. That's right. Jesus chooses to surrender. In moments like these, we will have the choice of control or surrenderance. And let's be honest, we want control. If we're honest with ourselves, majority of our lives are driven with control. Majority of the way that we live, the way that we love, the way that we care for others, the way that we move about our life, as long as I'm in control, I'm okay. As long as I know where things are going, if I'm the driver of this car, as long as I know, I know where I'm going, I'm okay. 
Jesus, you make a perfect passenger, but I'm going to go ahead and sit right here and drive this car. When we are in control, we love it, and we get to love just kind of pat Jesus on the back and kind of throw, you know, give him a few snacks and kind of tell him to sit back, you know, long for the ride. It's cool and trendy to have Jesus in the passenger seat. It's cool and trendy to kind of just say, oh, yeah, 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 I got Jesus with me. He's, you know, on my side, and we literally treat him like that. I'm driving my car. He's on my side along for the ride, but until we actually get out of the car, give Jesus the keys, him the steering wheel, and let go of control and surrenderance. It's in this moment that Jesus chooses not my will. Lord, your will be done. Not only does he choose prayer, but he chooses to surrender. And it's in a moment of surrender. It's actually a moment of opening our hands. It's actually this posture that Jesus is calling on us to have. It's actually this posture that he wants us to be in. When we have our greatest moments of suffering, it's in, uh, we, we're inclined to do this. But Jesus is calling us to open our hands. He's calling us to lie down. He's calling us to let go, relinquish power, let go of what we think should happen and to give him control of our lives. We're either going to have control or we're going to have surrenderance. What are you going to choose? What are you going to choose? What are we going to choose in the greatest moments of our suffering, in the greatest moments of tough times? Will we choose control or will we choose surrenderance? Jesus shows us that surrenderance is the way. But not only does he surrender, what does he surrender to? He surrenders to the will of the Father. That's the third thing, last and final thing, and I'm out your way. I know you're tired of me already, but this is what he does. He does one final thing and he surrenders, not, uh, not just surrender, but he surrenders to the will of of the Father. These words are so important, and I love even the language of the New Living Translation. I'm going to read it for you. He says in 39, verse 39, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Yet I want your will and not mine. Do you have a yet in your prayers these days? Do we have a yet on our lips when all that's taking place, when we see the Psalms, not only do we see David crying out and saying, God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you rejected me? Why have you not cared about my suffering? We also see him say, yet will I trust in the Lord. Yet will I praise him. I have all this lament. I have all this mourning that I'm doing. I'm letting my heart cry out. And he says at the very end, so many times, yet, Lord, your will be done, not mine, yet, it's going to be your agenda, not mine. Yet, I'm going to trust in you. Yet, when I want to go out, yet, I'm going to trust in you. I know I want these things. I know I want my bank account to look a certain way. But yet, Lord, your will be done. I want this relationship and it's gone now. Yet, your will be done, not mine. Do we have a yet amongst our prayers in these moments? Trust me, God wants us to lament and to cry out and to mourn. The Bible says blessed are those that mourn. But I can encourage you in all that's taking place, as you surrender, will you surrender to his will and choose a yet? He chooses prayer, he chooses surrenderance, and he chooses the will of the Father. I got a story and I'm closing right here. There was a man that was climbing one of the tallest mountains in the world. 
it had snow all at the very top. And he, before, as he's climbing up this mountain, he's climbing with a partner. And he gets more than halfway there. And it's not, you know, he's probably about a little bit halfway there, right? He's right at his halfway mark. And then he crosses his halfway mark and his body starts to deteriorate. He starts to have, you know, moments where his body is um, hypothermia, I believe the term is. He's having all these things and his body is starting to break down. He doesn't think that he's going to make it to the top. He ends up making it to the top. A reporter comes and interviews him after he goes to the hospital and talks to him. And he says, your body starts to break down halfway through and you had so many more miles to go. How did you make it through? He says, when I began to think about my partner and I began to think, how can I get him to the top of this mountain? When he shifted the focus from himself, he started to make more effort of getting to the top. It became a little bit less uh, heartache, a little bit less hardship to make it to the top when he shifted his focus. When we choose the will of the Father, we are choosing to remove ourselves from being the thing and the, the center of our universe, and we're saying, Lord, I'm choosing you. It's actually when we can look to Jesus and say, I want to give you serenity, I want to give you control, and you are the very center of my universe. You're going to make it to the end of this COVID by God's grace, and you're going to see that once I can look to Jesus and I can see outside of just who I am, I can see outside of just all the things that I'm facing and I can look to him and I can make it because when I'm not the center of my universe, that's actually a good thing. This next moment that we're going to go into is a moment of worship. And the song that we're going to sing together is simply, this is how I fight my battles. As the song's being sung, and as you're beginning to think about these words and hear the lyrics and have the song, the song sung over you, I want you to think about this is how I fight my battle. And the this being the choice that you have of choosing prayer, choosing surrenderance, and choosing the will of the Father. We all have this choice. And in Jesus' greatest moment of suffering, he chooses to have his heart's posture impacted by prayer, surrenderance, and the will of the Father. And I believe that's what he's inviting us all to do. When you take a moment to worship with us and to sing this song, this is how I fight my battles.